As a chef, creativity is everything. It's the manifestation of what we envision in our minds, and it comes to life in living color. It's something that you can enjoy with all five senses, and there is not one other art form that you can do that with. Today on Recipes for Your Best Life, I'm interviewing Janine Letford. She is an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and corporate trainer on creative thinking and intercultural creativity. She's the founder of Cafe Strategies and has inspired and led many to reconnect to their creative abilities in order to produce innovative ideas. We talk about creativity not only in the kitchen, but how it can impact our ability to be successful in life. And I truly believe if we can unlock the skill, this is what sets us apart from others. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Janine, it's great to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a fan of yours. I'm a fan of yours. I think creativity is everything and that's really what you specialize in. So can you share a little bit about how you got started in this field? Sure. My background is actually in elementary education. So I started uh, you know, teaching K-5, third grade, and then music education. And then I started a nonprofit for the graduates of my elementary school um, and talk about creative literacy, financial literacy, entrepreneurship. And so that's from six to 12. And then I was asked to teach at the local university, Cal State Northridge, teaching teachers to get their master's. And now then I was asked to join the board of Donors Choose. So I was sitting next to, you know, the CEO of LinkedIn, the senior vice president of Facebook, just these big uh, people who are running multi-million dollar companies. And, um, and so this was all like at the same time. So in one week, I would see a four-year-old all all the way to a 64 year old and everyone in between all different demographics social economic levels education levels and so it really got me thinking about who is really like doing it who's really having a life well lived and how does creativity really play a part of, of that yeah and i think you know for me i i always feel like creativity is really kind of the the juice that sparks the breakthrough ideas, um, the, the the game changers, if you will, and mm -hmm. but it also works very practically in our everyday choices, right? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, because I'm sure some people who are listening are like, oh, I'm not really that creative. Like, I don't draw, I don't write. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, <laughs> they think about creativity in these, you know, kind of maybe more abstract or lofty sort of terms. What does creativity really mean? 
to you? Sure, sure. Well, my background's in psychology, and I realized there's so many psychological limitations to that word to begin with. And so you have a third of the population who thinks it's only the arts, like I can't sing, I can't dance, so I'm not creative. And so they're saying this to, their, to themselves, and so their subconscious is picking it up. And if your brain is hearing it, guess what, what happens? Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You don't yeah. engage in creativity, however you have defined the word for you. And then you have another one-third of the population who may have had some type of something I'm calling creative abuse that kind of happened in their formative years or childhood years. Either someone said, oh, your ideas are stupid or yeah. someone attacked their create their artistic creativity and said, you know, well, don't don't ever sing in public. I, I meet so many adults who don't do anything creative, artistically creative as well, um, because of something that someone said to them like 25 years ago. And they're just holding on to this. And um so there's so many, I call them um, these creative jails that people are living in. And so my company, we're proposing a new definition that creativity, creative thinking, which is now the number one skill needed in the workforce per the World Economic Forum, right, is the process of problem finding and problem solving with relevance, value, and novelty. So creativity happens in every field, which is why I was drawn to you and, and to see how I can tease this out of how people can see how you can be creative in the, the kitchen, how this process of problem finding and problem solving, how you are in the middle of solving problems at the, the stove or at the cutting board. And it can be in science, in, in you know physics, in construction, whatever filled you in, you're looking for problems, you're finding problems, and you're creating the new and, yeah. and re recombining. So before, one last thing is creativity sits on a few cognitive skills as well. And a few are, of course, your imagination. You have to have an active imagination. And we've kind of pigeon that whole, pigeonholed that to children. Um, and so we got to get it back as adults. So imagination, um, unobvious un associations, reframing, perspective shifting, metaphorical thinking, like thinking in metaphors and analogies. And so there's all these cognitive things that we do that we can actually get better at. Creativity is a skill that we can get better at. Mm. You know, I think I really love what you just said about problem identification and solving. You know, if we really think about like being creative, I always teach my kids, you know, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. I mean, you can acknowledge the problem, but I want to know how you're going to get around it, how you're going to fix it. Like, I think if we kind of just skew our thinking towards being a problem solver, we really change the dynamic. And th that definitely applies to the kitchen. We know that about a third of the population is struggling right now with obesity. And we also know, I mean, obesity, not just overweight. And we know that um, that it, it's not about shaming. It's just about that puts us in a morbidity factor that becomes that much more difficult when it comes to fighting disease and infection. Is there cognitively a, a light switch or something that we can turn on with people that can acknowledge this as being a problem to solve, therefore making better choices when it comes to what to eat. Well, I think in my seven gems of intercultural creativity, because that's really what I'm what, what my research is about now, one of the gems are is curiosity. And so that element that you were born with, you, you have children and you you didn't have to teach them to be curious. They just came here with that mm -hmm. that trait. And the element of just saying, 
well, why is this happening this way? Why, why am I dealing with this? What forces are around me that I'm not even aware of mm-hmm. that are kind of dictating my, my, my choices? And then it's for us to be curious and then get that power back. That was my light bulb. I was like, wait, I can do this. You know, like people pay me to, to speak. People pay me to write. People pay me to teach. And it wasn't until I had that, wait, my ideas are good. I like, I know how to teach. I've been a teacher my, my whole life, but now I can go into corporations and do, do this. I, you know, and of course my, my first love is always with my students. I'm, I'm, I'm a K-12 at heart, but you know, now I teach adults, but it wasn't until I said, wait, I can do this. I can create this. I can create a service or a product and put it out into the marketplace. And I think we come through systems that don't really empower mm. that type of thinking. And so if you're coming through a system that only teaches you to be a, a, a follower of directions and never teaches you how to really pull out those leadership skills and those creative leadership skills, it's very difficult to get it later on in life if you don't have some type of external force that's coming at you with that, like a mentor or listening to your podcast that that introduces that new idea. Wait, wait, I, I can do this. I can make better choices about my body and my family's body. And that was a huge thing that I realized I am the controller of what comes into the kitchen. I think there's a quote you might know that says, um, you know, if the medicine cabinet isn't in your bathroom, it's in your refrigerator, it's in your kitchen. And once I realized that, that was a huge responsibility that my son and my husband, they're depending on me to control that, that L that element for, for their health. Mm. So are you saying that you have to connect with your why? You have to understand what that is that might be motivating you because, I mean, the truth is it's really, really hard for some people to say, okay, I acknowledge that that's what I should be doing. I mean, pretty much, I think everybody knows that they should be eating more fresh produce. They should be cutting down on sugar. Soda doesn't really have a place in anybody's every day. However, getting action out of that or actually taking the steps towards that is not as simple. Are you saying that there's a seven step system that we can actually, (laughs) the seven gems that can help us get to that, you know, that point where we can make better decisions? Uh, I would say, sure. Um, It's very complicated. And uh, I know your, your listeners are listening, so they can't see what I'm holding in my hand. I'm, I'm holding a model of the brain. And I'm telling people, you know, my background, like I said, is in education, psychology and human development. But I tell people I have a street degree in neuroscience because I've been in fMRIs for studies since 1999. And now I'm on the back end looking at the research and saying, okay, how do we apply this to corporate to to the K-12 classroom? And and for you, even to the diet. And and I don't know what your extensive research is with neural biology and the food, but, you know, the brain reacts to different types of food yeah. and, and you have all these different chem- chemicals that are going on with food and, and even food addictions. Right. Um, and I realize I, we have to know what's going on un, 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 under the hood. We have to know what's going on under the hood because it's almost like we're trying to buff. If we're a transformer, we're trying to buff the outside of our transformer outfit. And we have no communication with the little guy or girl who's moving all the controls in, in the, the, the cockpit area. Yeah. And so, um, there's so many factors such as, you know, some people are in food deserts. Some people have KFC and, you know, just fast food on every corner. So we, a lot of us don't have the education to know how to read labels. And so it's 
all these complex things at play at once. Mm -hmm. And so, and then there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. You know, we, you can even have the knowledge on what's good for you, what's not good for you, but, and still eat, you know, soda, drink soda, 10. So, you know, I, I know people who drink at least three or four cans of soda a day, a day, not one. Like if I, I'll have soda, but I'll have like once every three months, basically, because yeah. I don't, I don't buy it. Cause don't forget, I, I'm the controller of the home mm-hmm. um, when it, when it comes to food. Um, but I can have the knowledge that soda is bad for you, but I can still drink four a day because I don't have the wisdom. So mm-hmm. I, I think for, for us to really make a differentiation, just like you have smoking doc- doctors. Doctors mm-hmm. know what, what cigarettes do do to you. That's not a surprise. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, we didn't know back in the 60s and 50s, um, they didn't really release that information too much. But now we know. But you still have, you know, uh, doctors who smoke. And, um, and so us really understanding that time is finite. You have, especially after these past two years, I think a lot of people got that. And we need to know that time is finite and our choices, every single choice makes a difference. Yeah. You know, I worked uh, very closely with Dr. Daniel Amen for the Daniel plan. And um, I'm a really big fan of the work that he does in just connecting, like literally looking at the brain, uh, scans of the brain and connecting that with trauma and with addiction and with, Mm -hmm. you know, even physical trauma that then does have an impact on what you're saying, which is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Um, is there, you know, is there an easy way for people to kind of maybe just do like an inventory or a checklist or is, is it really like, do you need to take a picture of the brain and figure out what might be going on with somebody? Um, I'm just, I think there's a lot of people out there who really maybe don't know that there's something trapped inside of them or there's a a barrier, a blockade, or even like a lack of feeling of self-worth that is getting in their way of being able to make that first step that anybody looking from the outside would be like, well, just do it, you know, but it's, it's like walking in molasses for people. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria, that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals. It's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's going to do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner.
Yes, yes. And in my research, I really understood and had increased uh, compassion and em- empathy because I'm the type of person like, like, well, what's the problem? This <laughs> is right there in front of you. Yeah. Um, but I've had a different set of experiences, you know, I, and I'm, I was just, before we got on, I was watching a lecture from a doctor over at, at uh, Car- Carnegie Mellon talking about the brain and talking about how crucial those formative years, especially the like zero through two through five, if, if a child has gone through any type of stress or trauma that hasn't been um, worked through, it metastasizes in, in food addiction could could be one of them but also you know drug addiction um just or they haven't had good attachment experiences so and if it isn't caught and worked through it it can develop into some something else and so it's easy for me to say jim just stop you know drinking the soda but you know jim may have had a lot that i have not i'm not aware of and so having that empathy first is really the a key and just allowing people to speak and just to, to share their their troubles. Now, I, I'm not a licensed psychologist. Please go see professional help if, if you need, need to. Um, but um, with my seven gems, you know, the seven gems are the first one's mindset and creative growth mindset. So understanding that this is a creative growth journey. If you don't understand the work of Carol Dweck, uh, fixed mindset, growth mindset, and it's not, hey, either you do it or you don't. It's a, hey, just keep trying. You might fall at, at times. That's okay. Get back back up and it's not the end of the world you know if you do and then second gem is empathy the third one is curious observation so being observant of your surroundings that has to do with creativity but also with intercultural competence which is what my work is in the next one is uh, curiosity like i spoke about before and then perspective shift shifting this is even great with the topics that you're talking about, how to shift perspectives. And, you know, as a chef, you have, you need to look at things different ways and, you know, how do things interact differently, right? The intersex section of the things that you deal with. And then the other one is authentic adaptation. To be creative, you have to be adaptable and to live life now, you have to be adaptable. And then the last one is being a bridge. There's people who are able to bridge other people together. Like our friend Tate, Hey, you know, she's a connector, you know, those people in your life who are just connectors, power connectors. Um, And so those are the seven gems of intercultural creativity, but it's so um, connected to what you, you do, because it's how can I be creative about the situation that I'm in? And that's one of my books is from Debt to Destiny. So I attach creative thinking to financial literacy and getting out of $100,000 worth worth of debt. Mm. I had to get creative, mm-hmm. but I had to look inside and say, Janine, where are your gifts? Where are your strengths? Mm. And what can you bring out to the marketplace? So I was, I was, I turned into a photographer. I was doing videos and pe- people's bought mitzvahs and baptisms. And <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Well, you know, look, yeah. when the pressure is on and I love the seven gems and I want to talk a, a little bit more of that in just a second, but when the pressure is on, when you are motivated by an ex, usually an external why or even an internal why, that's going to be the, you know, the the catapult for your action. It's you have to start thinking differently, um, you know. And I always look at, you know, with cooking. I mean, I went to cooking school and discovered that, you know, all of the heavy cream sauces and the ton of dairy and the sugar and, you know, I, it just didn't sit well with me. So I mm-hmm. had to figure mm-hmm. out a different way to be able to achieve delicious food. And, you know, fast forward now, I mean, that was like 28 years ago, fast forward now. And there are a lot of options out there for people. I mean, cooking looks di- very different than it did back then even. Um, But I think your need 
can propel you to look at different ways to do things. And the bottom line is the end result is still fantastic. It's just how you got there might be a little bit different than everybody else. Do you think in order to be creative, you do have to have a pretty good level of self-confidence? I would say you need to have that self-confidence that even gains confidence from making mistakes. Because don't forget, I get a lot of my examples from children because they are the creative geniuses. The, the research is, is clear with, with that. You've watched your, your child learn how, how to walk and they just don't come out the room walking in. They're just like, they're perfect, right? You know, they, they get information from feedback. So they fall, they're like, well, that didn't work. Well, maybe if I do my leg this way, it's that constant feedback. But somehow when we get to, to late, um, um, the early adult, adulthood, we, we lose the fact that feedback is important because we don't want to look dumb or that we don't know what we're doing in front of others. So that whole cultural aspect comes in. And, and so we have to, to get back to getting that, that feedback and being okay to fall and then learning from it and getting back, back up. So that's where the confidence grows up. Another thing is, like I said, as far as the cognitive elements that creativity sits, sits on, one is an obvious associations. And so uh, one thing, one um, example that I got from a book called The Medici Effect that said innovation happens at the intersection of fields, disciplines, and cultures. And one of the examples they use in there was a chef. So this just came to mind right, right now. And they talked about low barriers of association. So I'm a person who has low barriers of association, meaning I can connect something from cooking to construction to law to deep in the ocean. I, I can make those connections because my barriers are low. You have other people who have high barriers or high walls of association where if you talk about, you know, a panda, they have tape, you know, panda, bear, soft. There's no other connections in, in other areas of fields. And so people who are highly creative have those low barriers. And they talked about a chef who had low barriers. So he would go out and have experiences. The number one indicator of a highly creative person is openness to experience. Mm. And he would mix. And I know and once I say this, it's going to be like, ding, because you do yeah. this too. He would mix different uh, influences from different cultures into his meals. Yeah. And so he became one of the most famous chefs just because he had low barriers of association. It wasn't just, I cook Mexican and that's all I cook is Mexican food and yeah. just Mexican, you know, um, yeah. but he was creative in, 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 in that way. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Michelin star chefs around the world, they are doing innovative things that are showstoppers, you know, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I don't want to intimidate our listeners to think like it always has to be this high, high, high level of execution. I think, you know, being creative can simply mean going to the, the grocery store or the farmer's market and seeing something you've never seen before and being open to try it. Okay. Maybe the cauliflower is purple this time, you know, <laughs> or maybe you're trying a seasonal fruit or a green that you've never tried before. And even though you've never tasted it, you're willing to take that first step to take it home and give it a go. Would you say that that is a skill we can sharpen all as adults too? We, we don't, uh, we, what am I trying to say? We just don't 
don't do it. We have to do it. It is of the utmost importance. And I love that the fact that you get that example, because I and your listeners can just take take a, a, a note from this playbook. I have to intentionally place that into my my month. So my son and I, we go to a store called Sprouts. We, we have a Sprouts here. Mm-hmm. And a Sprouts is a type of store that has like randomness or your local farmers mar- market. They may have some things that you have never seen. There's this one um, item from Africa and, I've, and I'll send you the name of it. I forgot, but I have a picture of my son holding it. So when we go to Sprouts, he holds it, he touches it, he smells it. Mm-hmm. And then when we buy it and go home. And so my other gem that I think the third or fourth one is, is observation. And we don't, we let our eyes take o over. And so we don't exercise our ears, our taste buds and other, other senses. And so to have a great creative full experience for the brain to really encode information, you need multi-sensory experiences. So that's something easy your listeners can do now. Go get something you've never tasted before and actually taste it. Don't scarf it down. Yeah. Taste it, smell it. Kind of like you said, I told that to my my husband, what you said in our last conversation, like you eat with your eyes first. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, we want, you know, we can be creative every day and it doesn't have to be technical. It doesn't have to be, you know, super advanced. You don't have to be a chef to do it. You just have to be willing to try. Um, I used to do this program with the YMCA where I would take in a whole rainbow of different colored fruits and vegetables, just cut up with little toothpicks for the kids to try. And I would have them describe each thing, describe the color, describe the flavor, describe the texture. And it was so fun to hear their descriptions. They were so astute, honestly, at describing them. And sometimes they didn't know how to describe them, but they'd just be like, hmm, it's yummy. <laughs> and if and we could have that childlike kind of curiosity and openness, I think we could really break down our own walls and barriers, you know, to trying different things. Yeah, you're writing my current curriculum. I, I, I need to give you royalties. Seriously, I probably am going, going to quote you in my next, because my next book is geared towards parents and educators and care, care, caretakers uh, off, off of the child's book that I wrote, I Am Creative. And number one, you're having them try different things. You're open to experiences, which is the number one indicator. Number two, you're you're doing something called, um, you're building their vocabulary while they're having the experience. That's that's critical. Because a lot of times we teach vocabulary and, it, and it's separate. You know, we, we extricate it from the experience, but the brain learns through experience. And so with my son, if he's experiencing gravity, I'm, I use the word, like I use big words with him. I, I don't care if you're two, this yeah. is gravity. This yeah. is centri- centripetal force, you know. <laughs> Like you might as well know it. And what I found out with that, because he's kind of like my, um, you know, my my uh, experiment, whatever, um, is it's not the 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 number of syllables a word has. We think a word is hard because it's it's a long word. It's the frequency. If a mm. child hears hears um, you know just long like like ascend or descend or escalate, if they hear that old like fifty times a day, guess what they're going to be saying before you know it. Oh, well, let's, you know, ascend up the stairs. Mm -hmm. So I use synonym substitution, but when you're doing that with foods and just with different experiences, the brain holds onto it even faster. Mm, Well, I I would love to participate with you in that because I have a lot to say about the brain and its connection and how we can get kids back into the kitchen. Where can people find out a little bit more about your work and your program, which I think is so fantastic? Sure. Well, uh, I am right now at... uh, two places, my personal, um, 
Website is JanineLetford.com, G-E-N-E-I-N, Letford.com. And then my business and my business website is cafe strategies stands for creative advancement for financial empowerment. When I was talking really about a financial literacy, but now we're talking about cultural integration with all of that stuff. So cafe strategy, C A F F E strategies.com. And we have the books there. Uh, my book just came out seven gems of intercultural creativity. Uh, Sean's book, my three-year-old, his book came, came out and Hey, I would love to talk to you about making a, maybe a kid's book about creativity I and food. I love, I <laughs> I love it. It's the cutest thing ever. Um, And I love to see just how you're also kind of taking him through that creative journey. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll put all of your contacts in the show notes and encourage people to reach out to you. I always end our interviews with one last question. If you could have one meal created by anybody, who would make it and what would it be? If my bias say it'll be by you though, what you would, but you made like I don't know if it was couscous or some type of grain, yeah, at, in Laguna Beach, and oh, I wish I had taken a picture of it. It was amazing, and I have your book. If you don't have her book, please get her book. It's amazing. So I I, I love it. You're so, too yes. kind, Janae. I swear I didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting, and I look forward to more creative endeavors together. Thank you so much and go be creative. Yes. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.